The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Sixth Rings Kane Show. Obviously, I am not your normal host, Jazz Santana. Jazz had a uh, private event to attend tonight, so he has not been fired from the show. He will be back uh, next week, um, but we'll we'll try to uh, make up for his absence. And joining me, as always, to help with that is Danny Gillette. And, of course, the uh, legend himself, our, our boy Larry Bluestein. Guys, thank, thanks for holding on the fort here with me. Hey, of no, course, pl- no problem. Another big day. Another big day. A lot to yeah. Let, let, let's let's get, get let's get right right to it. Big news today this afternoon. Um, I'd like to go to both of you on this. Um, as our two kind of recruiting experts here. Uh, so Malik Bryant obviously did what we hoped he would do and, and committed to Miami. So I'll start with you, Blue. What are, what are your thoughts on you know overall what this means as the program continues to have momentum in recruiting and then also on on Bryant specifically. Well, Vish, it's it's huge. I mean, you know, they, you know how fickle sometimes the, the Hurricane fans can be. Earlier in the week, they didn't get a couple of kids that they thought they would get, and then they were all down. And uh, you know, this is crazy. And but you got to understand what they've already done. I mean, you know, this it's amazing what they did earlier over the last three four weeks. Remember, it's a new staff. It's coming off a season where we, they were seven and five. So to have pulled in the elite. Uh, talent that they did early on in the season is is amazing and then today you kind of got the feeling because it's a position of need it's uh, a position where you know if you're an elite player a playmaker you could step into the rotation right away and that's something that Malik Bryant brings to the table I've had an opportunity to watch him live a cat quick can drop into pass coverage, goes sideline to sideline if needed. A big, strong kid. Um, you know, I mean, this is somebody that Miami really coveted. I, I think that they felt deep inside that they had him all the way because just during the recruiting process, the proximity to Miami, uh, obviously Florida was in it, a couple of other schools, but there's just something special about Miami right now, and, and a lot of these kids want to be a part of it. Yeah, DJ, do you have uh, thoughts on uh, Mr. Bryant, our new new commit? Yeah, this is a very good commit for the 2023 class. Um, Bryant is, like Blue said, he's extremely quick. He can fire off the ball. And some of the um, highlights that I watched, it looked like he could play the edge a little bit as well. So that versatility is definitely going to help Miami. And this is the third linebacker commit of the 2023 class with Bobby Washington and Aguirre being the others, and also the second commit of the month for Charlie Strong. So overall, this was a big get for Miami. It gives them another piece that they can use in the future defensively, and 
It also speaks to the depth of the coaching staff with, with you know, strong landing yet another big commitment at the linebacker position. And so I guess that leads right into the question. So, you know, Fresh is asking another linebacker. Are we getting another one? Are we going as high as four? Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do we th- do you think we need another linebacker in this class? You can always use a, you know, a, a, especially if he's an elite guy. I mean, and and you know, you could you could see the theme so far in this recruiting, and, and not just this class, but coming up is competition. I mean, it's healthy. And when you have a lot of kids, look at the quarterback room. Look at the running back room. And we're stacked with kids that are going to make a huge impact because. Uh, when you have competition, turn on the turn up the level a little bit, and I think that's where the linebacking core, uh, the last couple of years since Quarterman and Pinkney left, uh, you didn't have that elite guy to really make a, a presence and pre- you know uh, pressure, uh, you know everybody else in the room. And I think that if you get a chance to land another one, um, I think you do it. I know Miami's you know looking at a couple of kids right now. But at the same time, there's a couple of other avenues to address. Uh, you know, you're still looking, uh, you know, for more linemen, always looking for more line, offensive linemen. Uh, the kid, uh, Pemba, looks like, uh, you know, he's getting won over right now by a couple of guys on IMG who are kind of saying, hey, listen, why don't we all go in together? And that's not a bad thing because, you know, we, we talk about, uh, Riley Williams, you talk about some of the other ki- uh, players that are playing over there. We know Malagoa, Mau- Maui Agoa, uh, just a, a terror. So, yeah, I think Miami's not finished. I, I, there's a lot of other avenues, but if they come up with a linebacker, and I'm sure DJ will agree that, uh, you know, that is a quality guy that's going to make a contribution, that's going to add to the – you know, the competition in, in the linebacker room. And you, you brought up a good point about Charlie Strong. Uh, Charlie Strong's contacts throughout the years, have, I think, won this one. I mean, you know, the the head coach at Jones, Elijah Williams, a Florida Gator. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys have, have, have uh, you know, crossed paths over the year. Uh, years, whether it be at Louisville, whether it be at Florida, whether it be at USF or, or, uh, or Texas, I think that that really makes a, a major impact. And I think, you know, when we've we've talked about the good programs, the Alabamas, not saying we're there yet, but just as an example, they know how to build tangible depth in each positional room. And we're starting to see Miami accrue that here. Blue mentioned the running backs, and now we're seeing it a bit with the linebackers in the 2023 class. And on the subject of linemen, really quickly, Tommy Kinsler is set to announce tomorrow, so... That'll be one to watch for sure. Yeah. I, if you remember a couple of years ago, Miami was in on a kid from the Ocala area too. He flipped it and went to Florida. Um, Kinsler's a different guy. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a, although he comes from Trinity Catholic in, in Ocala, uh, you know, and it's from proximity close to Florida uh, and a lot of other schools that are pursuing him. But I, I think w- what's happening here. And people don't realize it because they keep reverting back to Miami, you know, being a just a little over a 500 team and this and that. But you've got a new cast of characters. And, uh, you know, earlier tonight, tonight I was listening to a national radio show where they were talking about the University of Michigan and how the absence of uh, uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, who knew, who knows the area, who know the kids, who knows the system and the trust of them. 
may hurt them a little bit. So that's what I'm saying. Miami has that type of reputation. You have one of the best, uh, you know, offensive line coaches. You have Mario Cristobal who played the position, a dynamic personality that sat in many a living room, I'm sure, over the last couple of years or have, have had over when he was in, in Eugene. And, and sitting on campus and having all these guys come in and mom and dad seeing them. And no matter if it's a California kid or an Oregon kid or anybody in the Midwest, they've kind of sampled what he's all about. And this coaching staff has already had the opportunity to get out there with that University of Miami logo, you know, on their on their shirt. And, and now they understand, listen, yeah, well, this guy was at Michigan or he was at Oregon or he was at Georgia, you know, or he was at Texas or this before, uh, they're all Miami guys now. And they've kind of put in this uh, melting pot of tremendous talent. And, and now you combine the coaching. And they and listen, the kids read all about this stuff. They've read all about this momentum that Miami has. And they they saw that, you know, a kid like Jaden Wayne or, or, you know, any of these guys that have committed over the last, what, three, four weeks – uh, feel confident enough uh, to know that Miami's future is really bright. And I think these kids want to be a part of it. I mean, yeah, you're going to miss on a few, but that happened. Alabama misses on a few and Ohio state misses on a few. Everybody does. And, you know, and, and you brought up a good point before talking about competition and rooms. Look at Alabama, look at Georgia. They'll lose eight, nine, 10 kids in the first two rounds and, and reload. It's like growing another tail. You know I mean? They, they keep, they keep coming back and that's where Miami needs to be to be able to compete year in and year out and not say, Oh, well, we lost so-and-so, you know, like Evan Neal, perfect example. Evan's gone and Alabama's got another one. So that's what Miami's got to get to. They're trying really hard to add that competition to the room and, once they do, you'll see. You'll see a whole com- complexion change of the, the entire team. And again, you know, just to kind of reiterate, people, some may forget that Gaddis was a Broyles Award winner and right. he decided to come to Miami. So just on your point about how big a loss that is for Michigan, that's that's an enormous loss. Obviously glad he's here in Coral Gables, but, you know, that that again speaks to the depth of this coaching staff. People want to buy in to what Mario Cristobal is trying to do here from the players down to the coaching staff and everybody on the outside can start to kind of recognize that a little bit. They're starting to see this vision come to fruition. No doubt. Vish, you could see, you know, I mean, it's like a follow the leader type of thing and kids are impressionable to know when something, you know, especially nowadays, when something is kind of the hot thing to do and it's a trendy thing to do, they follow the trends and, Seeing Miami, yeah, yeah, you could look out, and and I'm sure there's a lot of coaches using the, you know, look at Miami. They've won like, uh, you know, an average of six, seven games over the last few years. Why would you want to go there? But on the other hand, now that they are and 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 they're recruiting so well, and they brought in some transfer portal kids, uh, this is the reason. You know, I mean, things will not stay stagnant for the you know the rest of the time. So Miami's changed course. Um, I think that in a positive way, uh, but to me, this coaching staff has made this entire uh, deal because they've been there, done that. You know, everybody's in that coaching staff has had a lot of experience and have been part of winning uh, programs. So that makes a big difference. So that that does kind of bring me to one of the things. So l- last week was in and in kind of into this week as well uh, was the ACC media days and. Uh, 
I want to touch on something Tyler Van Dyke said and get, get your opinion on. So he basically pointed to the, frankly, blown game against FSU last year as the turning point because it forced kind of all the change through. Um, Blake James was let go the next day. Manny Diaz was later let go. And that, like like you mentioned, this is this staff is is elite. So um, I'm <laughs> somewhat controversially going to ask, was it a good thing that Miami lost to Florida State last year? Go ahead, DJ. You answer that. I mean, yes and no, because honestly, I do think the writing was on the wall kind of regardless. But, you know, I do think it kind of set the wheels in motion and that kind of, you know, for 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 whatever reason, the white elephant in the room of Manny Diaz not being able to get the job done, I think, it, you know, I think that loss kind of finally sealed the deal that, you know, hey, we can't ignore this any longer. Manny needs to go. We need to clean house, and we need to start over. And so I guess it was a good thing, but, you know, that's not something that Miami fans probably want to hear. No, but the way I look at it, too, I think it was compounded by the fact that, that FSU lost to Jacksonville State at home. You know, I mean, you're thinking to yourself, whoa, if we can't get over that Jackson, you know, Jacksonville State – you know, it's, it's kind of traumatic. So bye-bye, Blake James. See you later, uh, uh, you know, Manny Diaz and, uh, and the coaching staff because that's not going to be acceptable. And I think that's the one thing that Manny Diaz is – or Manny um, – um, not Manny. Um, uh, oh, Jesus, I can't even think. Mario, Mario Cristobal. Mario? I'm all right. Mario Cristobal made clear from, from, the, from the beginning is n- nothing like that's going to be acceptable anymore. And then that's the way it is. And he remember when he played here, Miami would roll over to West Virginia's and they'd roll over the teams that they needed to to beat. And yeah, I know Florida State's a, a rival. And, 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 you know, there have been some years. I remember the, the year Florida State came into the season, you know, number one and Miami beat them 31 nothing. So, you know, I mean, those I'll give you this. You know, uh, Jacksonville State and FSU is a whole lot different than Miami and FSU. There's a lot of, you know, t- a lot of people who know each other. The game's always on the line. So I'm not going to use that as a barometer. But I will tell you this. Miami, if they hope to be in that class, and even Alabama gets shaken once in a while. Mississippi beats them. So you're going to lose games. There's no doubt. Even when Miami was, you know, beating people senseless, they were, lo- they were losing or coming close to losing the East Carolina, Mississippi State, and schools like that. So it happens, but Miami more times than not. See, because the fan base now is so uh, so shaken by the fact that Miami is just an average team that they need to, to get to those games, like going into College Station and beating Texas A&M, you know, those type of games. And, and I think once that's back – you know, I mean, I know that everybody was proclaiming Miami being back with a 10 and 0 record under Mark Rick, but you know, for those of you know the people who really knew, I mean, how how could Miami be back right there and then without any depth, you know, without all these stud players? So obviously things were going to crash in sooner or later. That's what Mario Cristobal is talking about. He doesn't want if if you do lose to a Florida state, you bounce right back and you win next week. And you, and that's how, you know, that's how the great team Florida state has done. I mean, um, Georgia has done that. Um, Ohio state has done that. Alabama's done that. You're going to lose games, but the key is, is to come back, bounce back and show what you're made of. 
And the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Ohio States all have well-built foundations and sure. well-built programs. So that certainly plays a part in it as well. And I think, you know, with the recruiting this year, meaning 2023, I think we may start to see some of the foundation being laid out. Of course, we can talk about recruiting until we're blue in the face. And the, what what matters is the results on the field. But there is at least a foundation being laid. Now it's about, again, kind of circling back, depth and development and, you know, trying to get the most out of these players. Because we can talk about all these, you know, seventh-ranked recruiting classes, but if you can't develop them, it doesn't matter. No this doubt. staff, I think, will be able to develop them. Yeah, indeed. And, and, and Vish, before you make the comment, I mean, you could go back to when Notre Dame had those four straight number one classes and never finished in the top 15. So you're 100% right. You got to develop these kids. Yeah, and I was just going to add to that. Develop and evaluate the talent because not every, you know, stars, four stars is created equal. So it's it starts with the talent evaluation. It's it's then having a plan to use the player's abilities. No player comes in complete. So you got to develop right. them and you've got to say, this is how his skill set aligns to what we're trying to do to allow, you got to create that environment for them to be successful in. Right. You know, we haven't done that in a long, long time. So, so hopefully, you know, this is a turning point in terms of just that the FSU last game kind of being the last year, being the kick in the pants. I think Blue's absolutely right. It was that caliber of FSU team. They were terrible last year. You know, it was, this is a team that did not qualify for a bowl game again. <laughs> and and to, to lose to them at the end of the season, just I think that was a, – a, it was painful, especially the way it happened. But I think it was kind of necessary just to, like, remove – I agree with DJ a little bit. That ball had already started rolling downhill. But <laughs> that just removed any doubt that, okay, that we have to do something here. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the AD getting fired the day after a football game is a pretty strong – indicator that it was it was all right we can't continue with this yeah it's like lane kiffin being left on the tarmac after a usc loss so yeah you know it doesn't I mean, bode very it, well it, yeah we, we can talk about you know the uh the overall kind of the look of that and whether or not it's the most professional thing but you know it generally grows to that point sure it's not it's not overnight like we in the you know in the media covering it might get blindsided like whoa they did that but all of these conversations start way, way in advance because there's contracts here and there's buyouts and there's money and you don't just willy nilly, like it's not a movie. You don't fly off the handle and just fire someone. There's like lawyers doing analysis on how much this is going to cost, which leads us into Mark's question. It's on FSU, but we can take it. Um, you think FSU is in a similar place? We were being committed to athletics. I can't understand why they didn't hire an old FSU alum like Dion. They're still paying Willie probably. I I would just I'll throw my two cents in there, and then if um, you know Blue or DJ got thoughts on this, I would say yeah, it's very financial. They're not only are they still. I, I think Willie Tyre's contract might be this might be the last year, but they're paying him. I believe it's ten million dollars a year to not coach. And Norvell has a huge buyout too, which if they were to fire him, they'd be paying both of them and the new coach. And that I don't know that any school would be doing that right now let alone Florida State's never been, you know, the upper echelon of spenders. They're not Alabama and Texas like that. Um, they generally spend more than we have, but not not to the extent that, like, they're just throwing money around and don't care. So, yeah, I think it is financial. I mean, 
I think if you had told them before when Norvell took over that he would not be able to make a bowl game for several seasons, I don't think they would have said like, oh yeah, this is good. We'll keep him. But you know, money is money. Sure. To borrow a phrase from uh, the professional sporting ranks, they've hamstrung themselves with bad contracts. Um, but you know, it's just crazy how fast, well, not how fast, but like like Blue said, just a couple of years ago, they were you know number one in the country FSU, yeah. and now and now they have been on the rapid decline ever since then, and it's been interesting to see. And I'm hoping Miami doesn't get to that place in the Mario Cristobal era because we were kind of sort of in that place in the Manny Diaz era towards the end. Let's be honest. Well, but I, I don't think FSU gets to that place if Jimbo Fisher is still there, for example. Like, I mean, we can talk Fair, about. Yeah you know, his overall, what he's going to end up doing at Texas A&M and all that. But there's no way they reach these depths with that caliber of coach. And so that was, it was, it was the mistakes made caused by, you know, him leaving and he didn't leave it in a great place. That's what I'm saying. I agree. You see that it's not like he left them with, uh, you know, a ton of prospects. His recruiting down the last couple of years was terrible. And, And that's where they're at right now. Uh, they don't recruit very well. And, and, you know, I think it's because Norvell wants to be the guy who hires all his friends when he should hire people like M- Mario did. Mario didn't know a lot of these guys. He knew of them. I mean, he wasn't buddy. The only guy he's buddy buddy with was uh, Mirabal because they went to high school together and they've coached together. And then Frank Ponce, who who he coached with FIU, at FIU with. But other than that, you know, I mean, you take the most qualified and, and that's, See, that was uh, Al Golden's problem. Uh, You know, I mean, he hired terribly. And, I mean, and that cost him and that cost Miami four or five years. So I think what happened with Mario Cristobal, and I'll say it again, it's this coaching staff. It's a whole different deal when you have former head coaches, former coordinators on staff that know what what it's like to win and and, uh, what you need to win. And, uh, yeah, they've – it's, it's a difference. The coaching staff here, as opposed to Florida State, is night and day. Night and day. It's not even close. I mean, there, there are several people on the Miami coaching staff right now that you could argue would be a better head coach at FSU than Norvell. I mean, that yeah. that's that's kind of where they are. And and I think they know. I mean, on, I, I think if they're being honest with themselves, they're just waiting for the buyout to go down. I don't think they actually think, you know, three years from now they're winning the ACC with Mike Norvell as head coach. Like, I don't, I don't think they actually think that. I think they just, you know, you have to make financial decisions. But who do you turn to? Just like Michigan, when they were going south and they, oh, let's get rid of Harbaugh, but who do you turn to? Right. I mean, what guy's going to come in, you know, in, 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 in Harbaugh's defense, I mean, the guy's won. He's won. Stanford, uh, the 49ers, wherever he's been, he's won. So whatever the problem was, you know, early on, you know, over the last couple of years, other than last year when they made the playoffs, it was it was a problem that was in place uh, before he got there. And now he's, you know, trying to change things. I mean, he had a couple of early draft picks. He had Aiden Hutchinson. He had a lot of guys like that. And and that makes a big difference. And, and I think that's what's happening. Miami's got to get into that, you know, as well. It's funny how things are, because when you end in December or, you know, with, with a loss, and then all of a sudden you come bouncing back uh, in the spring with a whole different outlook. I mean, and not many schools can do that. And Miami, that's the thing that makes this uh, one of the most unique situations you've ever seen. Because 
he Miami left the season and the fans were like, oh man, this is her- this is horrendous. When are we ever going to get out of this? And here we are in August or coming up on August, feeling pretty damn good about the recruits, about the transfer, excuse me, the transfer portal, the kids returning. I mean, last year at this time, you figure, I wonder who's going to be a quarterback. You know, I mean, they got a couple of young kids. I don't know what's going Right now, you got arguably one of the best Miami's had in a long, long time, at least the most productive. And then you got a whole room of them. So time changes. I mean, you know, you go all the way. Like I said, you end up in December. And by the time, uh, you know, we're at the spring game this year, there's a whole new attitude swirling around. Fans were embracing the fact that here's Mario Cristobal returning home. I remember, you know, being at the game and him coming into the end zone and greeting all the uh, uh, the uh, students. And, and, and that's something that hasn't happened here in a long time. You know, I mean, in all due respect, Mark Rick diving off the 10 meter board is nice. But I mean, it's not going to it's not going to turn the program around like like what Mario's done. And I think the transfer portal, and let's face it, some NIL money can allow programs to, you know, make these quick turnarounds and, you know, reshape their rosters as they see fit. Now, coaching staffs are a whole different ballgame, but now we're, we're starting to see programs really kind of transforms, transform themselves in ways that we've never seen before. Yeah. Like like Texas A&M, for example, let's be honest here. Yeah, and I, I would say there's a couple other things, though. Like these these kids, the NIL money is nice. They're all thinking, how do I get to the next level? And this staff has decades of experience putting guys in the pros, winning it big on college level and putting them in the pros. So that's much easier of a sell than when it's made as like, look, we're building something here. Take a chance on this. We're not asking them to take a chance. We're saying this is a track record with these coaches. Maybe right. not at Miami, but a track record is there. The other thing, just back to Florida State, I think the thing that really hurts them is with Alabama and Georgia that strong, they used to do a lot of their recruiting by crossing the border. Um, and, you know, Alabama and Georgia collectively have never been this strong as like a unit of those are probably the two best programs in the country right now. And they, Florida State tries to, like when they've been good, they've had a lot of Georgia kids some Alabama kids. Last time they were good, their quarterback, right? James Winsor is from Alabama. Would he go to Florida State right now? Or would he go to Alabama if he was, you know, right. being recruited? So but I think it. their their backyard has two monster programs in it now. Yeah. Uh, and you make a great point because Miami, if you go four hours, you're near Tampa, you're in Orlando. From Tallahassee, you're in New Orleans, you're in Alabama, you're in Georgia, you're in the panhandle of Florida, you're in central Florida. So from a far-reaching recruiting base, they have a really good recruiting base. But as you mentioned, Vish, you know, you could be that close to some great athletes and and a lot of talent that can help turn your program around. But if you have a a Georgia, which is not far away, uh, and in Alabama, as you mentioned, not far away, that are taking the elite kids, uh, you're right. Jameis Winston would have never gone there. Um, There's a bunch of acres would have never gone there. You know, if he had uh, so Florida State, while they're getting kids, their their recruiting is really diminished and it's showing. And uh, I mean, I look at their schedule this year. If they win five or six games, he could be up for coach of the year. 
Perfect segue. So one of the things that <laughs> happens at the ACC Media Days is they do vote on kind of what where they think teams will finish. So I'll put it up on the screen. Love to get your thoughts on. So this is how they they rank the this is the ACC preseason poll. Um, so Clemson picked to win, Miami third. You know where all this NC State love is coming from, but um, uh, and then in terms of divisions, um, Miami was picked to to win the uh, the coastal. Um, and basically lose the ACC championship game to Clemson. That that's kind of where it uh, pans out, and we can see Florida State kind of down the bottom half of the Atlantic. I think pretty much the media concurs with what you said. Blue looks like a five-six win team if you're in that spot. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I lo- love to get your thoughts on is this is this the expectation, or should we expect Miami to win the the ACC? Like, what what is the expectation for this team? Well, and I'll start uh blue you can go first. Okay. Well, here's the thing. The NC State loves coming from 17 starters returning. From not a bad team either. Remember they were 10 and 3. I mean, and and they gave Miami fits the last couple of times that they played them. Took them into those uh big scoring uh games, but the thing is, is Miami, a lot of people are gun shy with Miami cuz they picked them, you know, to win the coastal a couple of times and they haven't really you know, they, they're losing games that they shouldn't lose. And my point about Miami being, you know, in this situation now is they've got to they've got to go on the road to win a couple of games this year. I mean, you know, they haven't been sterling on the road. I think I think they're really selling Pitt short because Pitt's going to going to be a, a force in, in the coastal. I, I really you know, they've got some good guys. Yeah, they lost a receiver and a quarterback in the first round, but are, you know, to the Steelers. Uh, but they got a quarterback in Keenan Stovis, the Keaton Stovis, Slovis kid from USC, and they picked up two wide receivers out of the transfer portal. So, but I would like to see my, you know, I'm cautious on my optimism. You know, I'd like to think that they're going to win the Coastal Division. They've, they, they are head and shoulders above everybody else. But North Carolina's recruited well. Virginia and Virginia Tech always stick it, you know, in Miami's butt somehow, some way, especially on the road. So I like it. I think it's, uh, you know, realistic, and uh, and I think it it should happen. But we've been in that situation, guys, before, where should didn't work out. Yeah, and just DJ, before you hop in here, um, just to, to Blue's point on home road. So the road, the road games in the, in the the coastal for Miami are Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech. The home ones are Duke, North Carolina, Pitt, and then the crossover games at at Clemson is happening, um, and then Florida State's at home. So those are your your ACC games. So that's the uh, schedule. So DJ, your thoughts on this? Is this? I know Blue Blue was cautious uh, on his prediction. I think we've all been snake bit over the last. Yes, 20 years. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, caution is understood. What are your thoughts here? Does this, does this feel right to you? Do you think this is too high, too low? I will leave it at the end of the season when I see them <laughs> first place in the Coastal Division. I would like to think that, yes, they will be first, but you never know. I mean, all these polls are well and good, but the action takes place on the field. The one thing I will say, I believe Clemson was first in the in the Atlantic Division. And I'll just say this, DJ Ugalele uh, is a very good quarterback, and they have Cade Klubnik coming in. He is also very good, so I think Clemson may kind of become a force again after that little drop-off we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, they've reloaded in some ways, too. I mean, you know, they got a pretty good line. I mean, you remember, guys, 
uh, they they went through a stretch of four or five years where they would and, and and the Miami Dolphins got one of their defensive linemen too. So it's one of these things where you there's still a flavor. I mean, everybody still talks about Clemson, so it's a big hurdle. But I agree with you. I mean, I'd love to see Miami, and as a Miami fan, you could say is optimistic. And yes, yes, all the great things that have happened. But DJ, I'll I, I'm I'm in your I'm on your side because we'll see what happens at the end of the season where Miami is, and then we'll say, okay, this was a valid prediction, or you could say, you know what, maybe it was too soon to pick them up top. Yeah, I guess the, the one thing I would say with Clemson is, um, assuming ukulele, you know, has a much better year than he did last year because he was pretty awful last year, um, and that offense kind of got stuck. They have lost a lot of coaching talent, um, and they've kind of not replaced it with with top caliber. It's been a lot right. of in-house promotions, a lot of, you know, making assistance on to, to on-field coaches. That can... Uh, Blue earlier mentioned hiring your friends. This could turn into a complete disaster for them. Um, like all, several of their coordinators are head coaches now um, at, all over the country, and they've kind of not replaced them with top caliber assistant coaches. They they went basically in the family and said, hey, these guys know how we play. They know what we do here. They'll keep it going. Right. Miami like certainly, Oklahoma and Virginia Tech yeah. being two of those schools. Yeah. yeah. Fred Venables to Oklahoma. Yeah. And Virginia Tech, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's really strange, though, and you make a great point because we're, we're making such a big deal now, Vish, of Miami's uh, um, coaching staff. And I think people don't understand how much of a coaching, how much of a difference a coaching staff makes. And you make a great point. A lot of people, I think, are passing that over and, and understanding that, the hires that Clemson made to replace the guys that left are considerably different. So while Miami uh, has upgraded in every uh, uh, direction. So yeah, there's a lot, you make a very, very valid point that a lot of people may not be thinking about. Yeah. And just, just to kind of close out this topic, let's look at the, uh, so they also vote on individuals. So let's take a quick look at the, the, preseason ACC All-American team or All-Conference team. And then, uh, yeah, there's some more recruiting stuff we want to walk through. But um, so this is the uh, the team. You mentioned Devin Leary. Where's all the North Carolina State love coming from? Right there. Number one quarterback in the ACC, according to the uh, to the media voting. A um, couple of Miami guys on here, Zion Nelson, Will Mallory, and then um, Lou Headley is, is the punter. Um, now, right. interestingly enough, so you look at this, right? But then if you go to player of the year, so Tyler Van Dyke actually came third. It's just that the quarterback is loaded. Um, so that's why he wasn't first team. So he's third in player of the year, but not on the on the All-ACC preseason team because Devin Leary was player, preseason player of the year was the uh, was the quarterback. So I guess a couple of questions. Um, first, um, is there anyone from Miami that should be on here that is not? And uh, second, at the end of the year, do you think we'll see Tyler Van Dyke as the player of the year? <laughs> do you think he'll eclipse this this ranking? So I'll start with you, DJ, on this one. I think um, everybody that's on there from Miami deserves to be on there. I mean, let's face it, this is a loaded um, conference with talent this year at, at several positions. I mean, you just touched on it. Vish, the quarterback position looks very strong this year. So I think... You know, I think part of it too, you know, uh, Nelson, 
being one of the players. He was he's been projected to get drafted for quite some time now, and then you have Mallory. Um, I'll be curious to see what those two do in a new offensive system with a new coaching staff. Um, I like these two picks here right now. Um, hopefully Van Dyke gets some more love as the year goes on. But, you know, I would say this is a very solid list overall. We have a very talented conference this year. So there's no one you think like, I, I, and I don't have a good answer on this or, or an, anyone in mind, but is there someone from the Canes that you felt should have been on here that's not? Is no, Bar Gallus mentioned anywhere? Maybe, no. yeah, maybe him. I, 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 I totally forgot. Uh, I love that the punter gets some love. Punters don't get enough love, so I'm happy. Well, about Headley that. got 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 the votes. I mean, yeah. he should he's like thirty. He years gets old the votes, point. but he gets overlooked. I feel <laughs> nationally, from I a national perspective. Yeah, but no, there was no. Yeah. So this is so just to to, to be clear, for the preseason they don't do like first team, second team, third team. They just oh, do okay. they just do the one team and then the player of the year voting. That's why even though Van Dyke was third and player of the year, he's not on any team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think it's a really good first team. There's a lot of talent in there. I see Zay Flowers, who's a Fort Lauderdale kid uh, from Boston College. Would like to have him in there because he was he's the type of receiver that Miami could have used, and he one of the best return specialists in there. So, but other than that, no, I I agree. I mean, there's I mean the thing is is if you watch Devin Leary. Strong arm kid, a lot of confidence, good experience. Got some kids to throw to, uh, and that's why he's up top. I mean, and, and NC State was the was the uh, leading offensive team in the ACC last year. So, and and they returned what seven of the eleven kids uh, starters. Yeah, interestingly enough, even with that, and even with the, you know, kind of pick second in the overall ACC, they only had you know two guys on on the the first team offense here. So. Right. It's kind of interest, interesting list. I will say this, just not going to knock, you know, and that actually have more people on defense on C State. I'm not going to knock Devin Lear. Like you said, he's top quality quarterback. I wouldn't yeah. trade Van Dyke for any of these. No. So I'll, I'll go with that. Not his future there. anyway. <laughs> I'm just talking this season even. I'd rather yeah. have Van Dyke. I think there's more growth to happen there. From even I thought he was excellent last year. I think there's more growth come, coming our way this year with, with Ponce working with him. Right, and I take nothing away from Lashley because I think Lashley was a creative mind, and I thought he did a tremendous job. I just think that, as you mentioned, now you get with Gaddis a different look, and then you get with Frank Pond somebody that he's going to pretty much collaborate with, you know, and they'll both kind of like, even though it's Gaddis who's going to have the final say as far as coordinating the offense, I think that having a quarterback coach that's really, uh, you know, a really good quarterback coach, plus somebody who was – you know, played Miami last year and had a really good uh, game plan against the Hurricanes. And like I said, Frankie only lost, what, in the last field goal by Borogales. Other than that, he could have upset them. So it's a different look. I think that, you know, they got they have more weapons this year. They have little different weapons. I think that running game is really going to be key. And, uh, I, and then you mentioned offensive line-wise. Um, Zion to start off with, but you got some other guys on that line that are going to emerge as well. And Will Mallory, if he stays healthy, that could, he could be crazy. He could be, I mean, because he's a tight end with a wide receiver mentality. Yeah, and Van Dyke actually talked about that too. Obviously, the media days they asked him a bunch of questions. He talked about kind of the differences <clears throat> in the offenses and 
and you know how heavy RPO they were last year, and it, you know that's not necessary. He did well, but that's not necessarily his strong suit. Just because the running, you know, he can move. He's not immobile, but that's not as. I don't know that you necessarily want Van Dyke keeping the ball a lot on, on RPOs. So, just in terms of overall, you know, he's not Derek King or anything where he's just gonna break the game open by running. And second, you know, I'm taking those hits. Um, so. I think, you know, the, uh, he was talking about how the offense is a lot more, it's a lot different. And I think we saw that with Pons too last week, talking a lot about how much he's stressing decision-making, going through progressions, getting your reads quickly. It's a different offense. Uh, RPO is, it's a forced read, but it's not, you know, it's a couple of things you're keying off of and then you just make the read off of that. It's less going through like three, four, five progressions. So I think we're going to see a, a different offense that actually might suit Van Dyke better. Um, despite what he what he put forward last year, just judging off of what Gaddis did last year with Michigan, I mean he definitely worked to Cade McNamara's strengths at quarterback. He allowed the running game, which was very deep for Michigan, similar to kind of what we've been talking about with Miami, to really kind of flourish and you know balance the offense and take the pressure off of Cade McNamara. As a result. McNamara had an outstanding year, a career year for Michigan. And, you know, I'm wondering if, you know, we'll see some of that as well because if Miami can get good production out of both their running and, you know, passing game at the same time, then that will just make them that much more scary. I can't remember the last time where both units have been kind of, you know, strong in terms of production. It's it's, it's usually either been one or the other. Yeah. I agree. All right. So just, you know, kind of, we got about 10, 15 minutes left here to let's, to get back to some recruiting. I think starting next week, you know, we're going to get <laughs> season's so close already. I'm getting excited. But um, um, so we'll probably start talking more about position groups and stuff. But there, there's still some recruiting battles out there. So the first, the, the next kind of kid I want to talk about was Jaden Bonsu. Um, the safety pushed his commitment back. Looks like we're favored for him. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on him. Like, are you concerned at all that like he's pushed he, he pushed it multiple times, I believe, his commitment? So are we worried about that? Are you still feeling good about him? Thoughts on that? Usually when that happens, uh, you know, somebody's in his ear a little bit and say, Well, you know what, make sure you explore all your options. Miami's really good fit for you, but let's try this team or let's try that team. And I think that's what's happening right now. I think he ends up at Miami because it it, you know, you look at Miami's scheme and the way they're running things right now. I I just think that he's that type of guy, you know, James Williams, Cameron Kitchens, guys like that. Who, If you watch their, you know, them play from last year and you're him, you go, oh, okay, this is, this is something that I could definitely be a part of. So I think that's going to win out in the end. Uh, the, the, the style of play Miami has in their secondary, the opportunity for him as a safety uh, to be really, really special. And I think that, you know, I mean, you got to remember, here's James Williams only one year in. Kinchin's one year in. So Miami's in really good shape. Uh, they can get in. A, and and he knows that, you know, he comes here and he's going to be in the mix from the beginning, just like James Williams was, just like Kinchin's was, was as far as playing time. And I think that's going to play. And Miami's going to be a different team over the next two years, he's going to find himself. Listen, I've seen it happen where you get, uh, you know, you get enough 
players, you get enough coaching, and all of a sudden next year we're at this at this time and people are picking Miami, you know, as a possible breakthrough team to, to get in the top five or top ten. So things can happen in a hurry, especially when you have talent and great coaching. I think Bonzu picks Miami. Um, like like Blue kind of alluded to, the safety position has been one that's been very strong in terms of recruiting. Um, you know, he could have a chance to get in the mix very quickly. And, you know, he's the type of safety that is needed in today's game. He's quick. He's athletic. He can come down and make a play. And, you know, getting Bonzu in the safety room would just continue to add to what is a loaded position for the Hurricanes? Yeah. So basically, so basically, in your experience, when they uh, when they push, they kind of push back the commitments. Just people in their ear, kind of saying, "Wait, make sure, make sure." Yeah, yeah, I think. End up back in. Yeah, I think I. He probably has his mind made up, but he, you know, probably got people saying, "Hey, listen." You know, this decision is going to be pretty much the deal for you. I mean, you know, this is where you're going to go. You're going to, you know, so let's make sure that this is the place for you. And I think he knows deep down inside it is. It's just that, and I've seen it before. I mean, he's a high-level kid. I mean, you know, and then when you pick the, when you make your decision, that's why, you know, when uh, when Wayne or when uh, Maui Goa or any of these guys make that decision, it, it's a lifetime decision. If you follow this through, you're a cane for life. You know, I mean, I, I see it all the time with the Randall Hills and the Gino Torettas and the Melvin Brattons and the High Smiths and on and on. I mean, they every time that they see a Miami Hurricane, you know, I post these old pictures on Facebook and every time they see that, they're, yeah, cane for life, you know, this and that. And that's one thing you got to understand. And I'm sure it happens on Alabama's page. I know it happens on Georgia's page because I've seen pictures of Aaron Murray and, you know, and, and them putting a lot of good things about it. So it's a really, it's a really big commitment, but at the same time, it's, it's a, to me, it's a no brainer because you're going to follow where, you know, the excitement is. And right now you arguably, even though they're a top 12 team, Miami's one of those programs that everybody watches. Every time they make a, a, you know, get a commitment, they go, oh, okay, wow. You know, I mean, look who they got so far. I mean, th- arguably three one, three of the best tight ends in the country, uh, you know, a, a quarterback, two quarterbacks, but one of them who uh, everybody talked about, you know, saying, you know, when they talked about Arch Manning and him, they go, wait, if you watch Arch Manning's competition and you look at, uh, you know, I mean, some of the other quarterbacks in the country, I mean, uh, you know, Rashada especially, and he backed it up because he played in the seven-on-seven. A lot of Florida players got a chance to see him, the state of Florida players, and they all came back raving. Oh, wow, this kid's release is unbelievable. His arm strength is crazy. He pops it right in there. So, you know, we're we're playing with an elite group of recruits, and I think that Jaden sees that now, and I think he's going to pull the trigger soon. And it's interesting that Jaden's from St. Peter's Prep in New Jersey. New Jersey has a lot of good, I don't want to say hidden high school talent, but it, it, it may not get some of the exposure as some of the other states. So yeah. if the Hurricanes could kind of, um, you know, make their mark in New Jersey and build a connection in the state, that could help them too. Don Bosco Prep, 
is one of the first programs that comes to mind, and they've been an extremely successful program um, as for far years. back as I can remember for years. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see if um, the Hurricanes kind of start to build a pipeline in, in New Jersey because there is a lot of talent in the state. Yeah, and, yeah. and one of the reasons New Jersey kind of gets, I would say, like, I would agree with you, DJ, gets deducted a little bit is the kids leave the state. So you don't really necessarily – you'll see them performing on Saturday. You don't really tie it back to the state, whereas, you know, if Miami, Florida, Florida State, or Texas, Texas A&M, or any of the California schools are doing well, you're in your head you're like, those are the local kids from those recruiting-rich areas. Whereas when, you know, a quarter of Penn State's team is from New Jersey, you don't really connect it back to where they came from. And so I think that that's what hurts the perception of New Jersey as it is a talent-rich uh, football state, and actually that's why – there was a time where Shiano had them running as like a top 15 program because of that. So, yeah. So, you know, there, there is a lot of talent there. Yeah. It's a good point on building those pipelines, not just, you know, we all talk about dominating South Florida. Sure. You got to also go outside and get kids too. It's not all just going to be from local. So building those pipelines and that's going back to the coaching staff. That is, you know, one of the strengths, there's connections everywhere in the staff. They've all, they've coached all over the country. They know they met the high school coaches all over the country. So there, there's multiple ways in here. All right, couple as we're getting set to kind of wrap up here, a couple of other kids that we're looking at flipping. Um, first one I want to talk about is uh, Conrad Hussey. He's right now uh, committed to uh, Penn State. Um, he's from St. Thomas. Looks somewhat promising that he, he, he might flip to us. So first of all, you know, like to get, I mean, start with you, Blue, for sure, since so. Right, right in your wheelhouse, so just like yeah. an assessment, assessment on, on, on Conrad and, and kind of what you think he could potentially bring to Miami. Well, he probably would be the fastest guy that Miami has if they got him because he's he's a speedster, uh, a, a tremendous young man. And we got a chance to see him two years ago in a breakthrough moment. You know, he was at a camp that uh, a couple of people ran. Uh, he had the fastest time. He showed – tremendous agility um like i said if you could flip him uh miami miami will zoom right back in i mean get he and bonsu and wow wow uh yeah he's a different level type of kid i mean he he's got loose hips to play corner enough speed to do anything he wants but a great safety like a center fielder and um, yeah, no, he would, he's a different level kid, no doubt. And good job by Penn state for, you know, what they did and bringing him in. And I think that was part Manny part, part Juwan Sider, who's one of the better recruiters and is from South Florida. I would love to see him at, at Miami again, that would, uh, strengthen the safety position enormously. Like blue said, he's fast. He can, make plays, you know, and he has great instincts. And these days, being a safety is not just about being a hard hitter. It's about occasionally coming down and stopping the run or even in coverage sometimes. So I think, you know, Hussey would be another great addition, and I truly hope Miami lands him because that would just, again, continue to build that depth and continue to build the talent at the position. Okay, and then the kind of the last uh, kid I want to, to to ask about here is Kylan Webb, currently committed to to Clemson from Riverview, uh, Florida. Um, thoughts on him? Again, what could Miami potentially get here if they were able to flip him? 
Big time kid. I got a chance uh, to see him play and watched him at camps. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, this is a guy that I think can do it all. Uh, he's versatile. He could, I think that, uh, you know, his quickness, his knowledge of the game. I had a chance to talk to him when I saw him at a camp and not knowing that Miami, because I heard Clemson was, you know, one of the, the schools and just get a chance to talk to an elite player. He comes in here and makes a huge difference and a big impact guy. And that's what Miami needs. I mean, you know, the, the, the two guys you mentioned, plus him, Miami lands all three of them. I mean, we're talking as successful uh, recruiting classes they've had in 25 years. And you look at, you know, he's he's listed as an athlete, but this is another situation where I trust the coaching staff to put him in the best position. I see him more as a defensive player, but he played uh, both sides of the football in high yep. school. So if Miami can land him, that would that would be absolutely insane when you consider the names we just mentioned. I mean, that would certainly make up for the blues that some fans had last week. <laughs> uh, fickle, fickle. <laughs> We've been landing like every single kid and a you know, couple don't go your way. Just it all comes apart. So a couple of, just as, as I keep saying, as we're about to wrap up, a couple of uh, questions from Josh Livingstone first. I can actually answer the first one, which was, uh, is John Walker also committing tomorrow? Uh, yeah, as of now, he should be. Um, I think he yeah, goes I, to UCF. Yeah, I, I don't it, think he, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be Miami. No, it's a shame because he's really, really talented. I think UCF kind of steals him, and I think that's a good move from him. Proximity, they're, what, 12 miles away from his high school, 14 miles away from his high school. And you know what? And we can laugh at UCF all they want, but they're going to be a big 12-team uh, pretty soon. So. Yeah, and we'll see what that means. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. I understand, but it's I mean, still it's, Power Five, and you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you have an opportunity to recruit now with some of the better teams. Yeah, no, good point. And then um, just the the last, the last kid, um, Jury and Dickey. He's right now. He's committed to uh, Oregon, I believe. He's been uh, sniffing around Miami a little bit. Any thoughts on him? I don't know how much. He's 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 a West Coaster, so I know we'll have less uh less kind of in person viewing of him. But do you have any thoughts on him? I don't know if either of you've kind of looked at his tape or anything. He'd be really good. I'll say that. I mean, he would be a good addition to what is already a great wide receiver room. You're talking about a four star player, and you know, but I see him staying on the West Coast truthfully, because for for a lot of kids going from coast to coast is a huge jump and you have to remember that they're that they're also humans right so they get homesick and whatever sometimes they want to stay close to home this is their first you know big time away from home for many of them so i see him staying on the west coast i would love to land him he would be another great weapon but i see him you know um you know going to oregon yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that is where he's committed. I mean, but, yeah, but you know, staying at Oregon rather. <laughs> well, I mean, Mario has done. I, I think I think we've gotten to the point where you know we feel Mario can pull anything off. So. Yeah, true. So, you can never count anything with Mario. So, but yeah, never I, count I, on I anything. Agree. I think this is more. I mean, he was. I, I mentioned kind of interest in Miami. He was kind of down here and, and looking around and sniffing around. Yeah. So there's kind of you know maybe maybe you'll get the bug, um, but. Yeah, it feels like he's a West Coast kid that would want to stay, 
stay West Coast. All right, guys. I think we're we're about we're about wrapping up here. So first, I just give some shout to everyone in the chat: Greg Trujillo, Fresh, Josh Livingstone, uh, Mark. A lot of contributions there. Rob Dukes, and last but definitely not least, our boy Gary. Um, always here. He laid off DJ, so we like that too. Um, and then yes, we uh, do. Down right there, coming in, saying hello to everyone. Uh, um. So yeah, so you know when I think that's I think that's what Blue said. I think when you look at his school list, uh, sorry, just going back to an actual topic, <laughs> John Walker. I think picking UCF would qualify as that. Um, yes, <laughs> because he's got Michigan, he's got Ohio State, he's got Miami, he's got Florida. You pick UCF out of that list, then you're you're talking about that as a shock the world move. Absolutely, I see him staying on the West Coast for sure. Well, no, this is John Walker. This is the, oh, uh, John the, the Kissimmee kid. Who, so many names, Vish. So many names. West Coast of Florida. West Central. It's, it's, it's just east of Lake Buena Vista or whatever. But it's, <laughs> it's right in the middle. Uh, but, yeah, so he, he, I think his shock the world would probably be UCF if you look at the list of schools because the other ones are, you know, kind of the what you would consider like blue-blooded programs. So. Yeah. But we'll see. You never, like we said, you never know with Mario. Uh, but anyway, uh, so again, thanks everyone for interacting in the chat. Blue, DJ, thanks for uh, holding it down with me. Jazz thanks, will be Bish. back next week, so we'll have proper hosting. But uh, you did a good Come on, man. Don't sell yourself <laughs> short. You did awesome. You did a good job, Vish. You really did. We survived. Yeah, this is a lot more man. stressful than, uh, than, uh, than, than, than Jazz makes it look. Let me put it that way. Um, so uh, but, you know, thanks everyone for joining. Don't forget to follow us on the social Six Rings Kane. Actually, if you have not, um subscribe to the uh podcast so all of our shows go onto the podcast and when we do interviews we cut them separately so if you just want to like for example go back listen to our frank ponce interview from last week he was awesome it's on the feed you can just pull it down just listen to that 15 minutes so uh definitely want to subscribe there as we get closer to season you know not not everyone that we want to interview is free at at 8 30 on a on a wednesday night so you know we'll be putting special interviews and all that stuff on the podcast so you definitely want to be subscribed there with that, again, thanks, DJ. Thanks, Blue. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right.